Hi, my name is Allie Williams, and I am obsessed with all things business, building a life you love, and living via leaps of faith. I'm a 5-1 fireball of spunk and fun. Four years ago, I left my old Kentucky home via a 72-hour crowdfunding campaign to join an entrepreneurial program in Silicon Valley. Little did I know after, I would actually be learning in the best classroom, the world. From fun to failure to deep faith-forming seasons, I explored, built businesses, loved life, met a boy on an Instagram dating show, and realized I was finally ready to bet on myself. Now, I'm coming to you from North Carolina to teach you what my years of chasing success taught me. Life is not about beating or becoming anyone else. It's not about your income, accomplishments, or wins. It's about your integrity. The things you want simply lead you to accumulating the courage and character you crave. The process allows you to be exactly who you've always wanted to be. Here, we're focused on one thing, helping you live your best life. Yep, I am indeed the hype girl you never knew you needed. So buckle up, because I believe you were created to change the world, but that requires you to believe it too. The question is, will you? Here, you're gonna discover how. So let's dive in, shall we? Welcome to life right up your alley. This episode is going to be really epic because what Haley talks about on this episode is extremely pertinent to where she is today. So we actually recorded this over a year ago and Haley and I have known each other for quite a few years. We have done a lot of life alongside each other um, just in like launching different businesses. We're kind of like digital pin pals in that respect. And so she was in a place of leaving Colorado, moving to New York City. And over this last year, she has had so much happen. Um, Just she's exploded in every sense of the way. And the root of that is her belief in herself and her call on her life. And so I want you to listen to every minute of this episode and soak it in and learn alongside 2000 end of 2019 Haley because now when you go look at her you're going to be like wow she's grown so much but even then even that version of her was so magical and inspiring and humble and lovely and no matter where you are let this speak to you that it's enough and you are on your way and your explosion will come in the perfect time. So enjoy this. Like I said, soak it in and then go check out Haley because she is one of the most incredible women and special people that I have ever met. Hello, you all. Welcome back to the Right Up Your Alley podcast. I am extremely excited for you to get to know my amazing girl, Haley. She is unbelievable in so many ways. And honestly, my intro will not do her justice. So Haley, I want you to tell us all of the amazing facets of you right now. Then let's get this kicked off. Yay. Thanks so much for having me, Alz. Okay, let's see. The five-second rundown. <laughs> um, <laughs> so hey, guys. I'm Haley. I am the author of a book called Her Big Idea, which is all about women pursuing the big ideas that they have and you know, feeling no uncertainty or sense of lack or insecurity around pursuing them. And I mean the big, big, big ideas. Like Think yeah. about the billion valuation companies. So that's exciting. Alongside that, I launched a fund called the Her Big Idea Funds with my undergraduate school, Brown University, and their Nelson Center for Entrepreneurship. So the fund 
awards grants to girls who have big ideas, who need a little extra funding to get there because we all know about the funding gap. I also have a lash company called Her Big Lash, uh, which is false eyelashes in two different sizes, her big and her bigger. Um, I'm an actress, I'm a professional speaker, and I also contribute to Thrive Global and Entrepreneur Magazine. Oh yeah, and I just started a YouTube channel called The Sprit Series, which is basically like how-tos on everything in life. <laughs> yes! Oh my gosh, I'm your biggest fan. I'm obsessed with this. Just hearing the list go through, you guys, take it in, seriously, because I do. It is so inspiring to meet a woman who is unafraid to just go after what she wants and not be apologetic whatsoever. You kill it in every category. So that is unbelievable. You truly are the best. And I cannot wait for them to just learn how your brain and your mind works because it is so good. Thanks, Allie. Oh my gosh, I love you. I love you. Um, Okay, so we're going to kick off with questions. For those of you tuning in, we are going to go through a list of questions, but we're also just going to be able to talk. And we want you in on this conversation. And if you have any questions whatsoever we don't cover, then just message in, send me a DM. We're going to have Haley's profile. Go follow her on Instagram, on YouTube, whatever you may. And leave any questions you have for her there. And we'll make sure to answer them and go in on our stories and make sure you guys feel heard, seen, whatever you need, okay? Moving from there, we're going to go to the first question, Haley. Are you ready? Yes! Okay, here we go. So what yeses have you said in life that have brought you the most success? Ooh, oh my gosh, this question is so good. And so you, Allie. Uh, So I'd have to say for this one, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is when I was 18 years old and I had my first business idea, I would say it was a yes I said to myself. And so over the course of my life, all these ideas that I've had, like the choice to say yes to yourself and say, you know what, this could be a really big risk and I could fall flat on my face, but I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to, you know, go after the adventure and I'm going to put myself out there. Those are the big ones, right? So My first company was a nonprofit called Lit Without Limits, short for Literature Without Limits. And I'll say that this was before people started to say, like, let's get lit. So that was just like, (laughs) that was frustrating when that became a thing a few months later. So yeah, people would be like, let's get lit without limits. I'm like, oh my gosh, it was like too late to change it. It's fine. Um, I I had this idea that I was seized by to donate books to girls around the world in mentoring groups and to write a curriculum to go along with the books because I've always loved books. I've always loved mentoring groups. So, um, I just got started and said yes to myself on that one, but that was the biggest leap because this was when I knew nothing about business. Like I think if I was going to try to do something similar now, it would be so much more of a breeze, right? But I had no idea how to do the contracts, how to get a website set up, the chicken and the egg scenario with like, well, do I ask donors for the money for the books first? Or like, how do I find the girls? And so just like the number of yeses I had to say to myself throughout that process. And like one within that was one day at a coffee shop. All my stories literally start in a coffee shop, just like all the good ones do. Yes. It's always (laughs) when I'm like two lattes in and I'm feeling (laughs) there's no distance between space and time. The best. (laughs) Love caffeination. But I was like, you know what? I should come up with an ambassador program where girls can be lit without limits ambassadors and share it in their countries. Like, mm-hmm. and we can just do like eBooks. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people come up with ideas and they're like, oh, I should have really table that. And then the longer they table it, the harder it is to come back to it and start it. And I just mm-hmm. remember sitting there and being like, I'm going to start this right now. Like came up with the idea, started it in that moment. And I really think that was like some type of divine inspiration because that ambassador program really put me on the map. I had 
over 45 ambassadors in all of these different countries. I mean, it was like Italy, Canada, Pakistan, the Philippines, Spain. I mean, just everywhere. And all these girls came together. Um, they formed a community. So all of them got to know each other. I'm still great friends with a lot of them to this day. And they posted about Live Without Limits and they posted about what we were doing. And it was just a really exciting time. And so I think also every time I said yes to an idea and, and like a spur of the moment idea was like this big trust fall, right? I was like, I'm going to trust in this idea that I feel like I've channeled and go for it. Yeah. I think that's the common thread throughout all of the yeses, right? Dang. That was a good answer. really good I knew about lit without limits I just had no idea like the kutzba behind it I don't know if that makes sense but like that is that's really cool that you empowered people through it in that way because that wasn't popular at that time you know no it really wasn't and you know when I came up with the idea I remember I was like oh this is like a really (laughs) pat on my back this is a really good idea but I was surprised that no one had done anything like it and Mm -hmm. even when I would tell people about it they're like oh, like, isn't there something else that does that? I'm like, no, you know, let me know if you find something, but there really never was yeah. that did that. And that whole experience really shaped me because, you know, when I, so my junior year of college, I transferred to Brown in Rhode Island. And so I kind of had to leave Live Without Limits behind. I was just overwhelmed and I was starting another company. And so I kind of closed that chapter, which is sad, but I think everything serves its purpose. And yeah. that story of my life for me showed me how much can happen for your perception of yourself and what you can do in the world when you bring an idea to life. And that really became the thesis for everything I've done since with Her Big Idea, with the Her Big Idea Fund, with starting an incubator for female students on the Brown University campus. So yeah, I, it's sad from a certain perspective. My mom is always like, you should bring without limits back. But, um, it also, you know, it's just, it's a really special part of my story. And I, and I think people have the tendency like, Oh, if I'm going to start this business, it needs to be something I do forever. And that's actually not realistic. You know, there's always going to be some way that your idea ends, but you still have to value what it brought to the world and the time that it did. Absolutely. Wow. That's so powerful. We got deep real fast. And <laughs> we, we waste and no I time. Think, I, we don't here. But that's so incredibly powerful. And I think I learned that later in life, but it's so hard to let go. Like when you do say those yeses, you can be so attached to them because yeses, when you commit to them, they can take so much power. You know, they take yeah. on so much power, so much space. It's unbelievable. And and then sometimes you can almost find your identity in that space that a yes takes up. But it only, it adds to who you know you are. It has nothing to do with who you are in mm-hmm. a way. And it is incredibly just, it's crazy cycle to see women, you know, it's almost like a hard no. <laughs> and then that holds them back. But you saying that an idea seasons of life they serve deep purposes and there's nothing wrong with living unattached and knowing I served as I could here and now I'm going to go serve you know at the next idea and that's so good it made me think of what is that what is that book we both love big magic yes oh my gosh best book I got oh my gosh I know if you have not read big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert is that yes Oh, you guys go read that. It is incredible. And I swear I, I cried like the entire time I read that book because I felt so seen and heard and validated in wanting to create. And I feel like that's just a big fat yes, like a book of like, do your yes, do it. So that is, that's just fun. Everything that you said, I was like, you embody that so well, Haley. 
Thanks, Al's. My book, Her Big Idea is right next to me. And I actually have, like right before the introduction, there is a quote from Big Magic that I put in the book to start it off. So I just wanted to read it really fast. It says, so this, I believe, is the central question upon which all creative living hinges. Do you have the courage to bring forth the treasures that are hidden within you? And I think that corresponds so well with the yes, right? Yeah. All the important yeses of your life are going to be the courage, right? Saying Mm -hmm. yes to the courage and saying, you know, this is like my special idea that I'm channeling and I'm going to bring it to life. So big magic and her big idea should be on your must read list for this weekend. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Seriously. I like teared up just now. I'm a big crier. Oh, Al's. I am, but I have that quote on my wall because it really it makes me feel so seen. And it, you know, it's a big piece of this podcast. Do you have the courage to be, you know, more to say the yes, to be who you're supposed to be? It's so important. So dang, this is awesome. I already can't wait to listen to this episode. I know. Um, <laughs> I already have chills. There we go. I know. Okay. So we're going to go into the second question and it's perfect it is what is the most courageous thing you've ever done? Mm, okay. This one's good. You've done a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I guess there's different types of courage, right? Because there's the courage we just discussed, um, the courage to bring forth the ideas within you. And so I feel like I've gotten kind of good at that type of courage, right? I'm a very creative person. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, like I'm a Leo. So I'm like, watch me roar. Yep. (laughs) So I like have no problem anymore putting things out there. I adore Um, you. So so when it comes to me thinking about courage, I think, you know, like courage and fear are really on – two separate sides of the same coin. They're antithetical to each other. And so I think about how I pushed past fear in one situation. And that was this last February when I decided to leave my job in the comfort of a paycheck to become a full-time speaker, actress, entrepreneur. And when I say that that took courage, it's just like, yeah, obviously the decision when it happened, it's I knew with everything in me that I was doing what was right for me, but that didn't make it any easier at the time. And it felt like I was just living in this constant state of fear for a good month, honestly. I mean, obviously it started to like dim a bit as I got more used to it and started to put together a plan. But I um, read in the book, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero, which is another must read. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. something happens called the big snooze. Well, she like calls it the big snooze. It's like supposed to be for BS, but that's not appropriate. (laughs) 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 Where um, when you decide to go after something that really scares you and rattles you to your core, likely something is going to turn up in your experience that's like, don't do it. And so she uses one example, like, you know, say somebody just bought a new property to finally start their bakery. And then the next night a huge storm comes through and breaks all the windows, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that happens. It's supposed to like set you back. But if you are heeding the call enough and you're, you know, channeling your inner badass, you're like, no, I'm going after this. You push through that one big snooze. And so for me, I had just started spin class, which is a big part of who I am. And I was driving home and it was like, I I live in Colorado. So, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a part of it, of course. And so I'm used to winter driving. I've actually even taken a winter driving course, but it's not even snowing. It's just like snow the past few days. And I'm driving to a stoplight and basically I'm pulling up to a red light and all this traffic's going through the intersection. And I go to put my foot on the brake and the brake just straight up does not work. I still don't know to this day if like the car had like a faulty operation or if I hit a patch of black ice. But I just remember pushing down on the brake and nothing happened. And I'm veering into this. I guess it's not oncoming traffic, but you know what I mean? Like a whole intersection with all of these cars speeding by. And Which is I, arguably worse. 
too. Argue, yes, yes. <laughs> None of it's good. Oh my gosh. And I just yeah. remember being like, it was the one moment in my life where I was like, I'm literally about to die. Yeah. Like there's, and I'm completely out of control. And so thank God, my, I think my winter driving course like subconsciously came in. And so I was able to turn the car in time and I crashed into a snowbank on the side of the road. But like, I don't even know how there weren't even cars around me that I could have crashed into. But I just remember just like that feeling of, oh my gosh, I am so not in control and how I felt like it was the perfect, I guess, like illusion for my life at the time. I didn't feel like I was in control. It was humbling for one because none of us are in control and we have to surrender our control to let you know ourselves channel the flow of life. But it was also really scary. And that was definitely my biggest like the car finally comes to a halt and I'm in a snowbank and I was just sobbing it was like that gut sob you know so moving past a lot of that and understanding like yeah you're only in control of certain things in your life and that's you know what you put out into the world your intentions I had to do a big makeover in terms of you know my faith in the universe to provide for me to bring other opportunities to me because I've always been a person who's had a plan and not only one plan but like a million of all the things I'm gonna yeah. do and accomplish etc and so it was kind of just this huge pause button that I had pressed on my life really from I want to say like March through July, like I was, I felt like I was flailing out here and I don't, no one could really tell. I don't think I'm really good at faking it and having like little things that seem like big accomplishments, but I'm proud of myself for moving through it. I finally feel like I've gotten through it. That season of my life has passed and it obviously it served me, but that definitely took the most courage. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, of course. I love the, just the transparency in that there is the big snooze. There is BS, you know, (laughs) there's a lot to be afraid of that might come up too, that might throw you off course. That's a real thing. (laughs) Oh yeah. But it's like, you look at it differently and be like, you know what? This big snooze is here to serve me and to show me what I'm capable of and I can push past it. And I think your relationship changes. So I mean, now I I feel like that story of that almost, the time I almost died. (laughs) can yeah. probably resonate with people, right? And so, and it helped me in the moment because it was kind of this big wake up call, like, oh my gosh, I should really, I really need to like do whatever it takes, you know, go to therapy, you know, institute mm-hmm. more like spiritual practices, like whatever it is to make me feel like not being in control is okay because yeah. none of us really are in that much of control. So that's so good. And I think one thing, just going off of that, when I know I am on the like precipice of breakthrough, I swear I would put money on it at this point but I don't want to conjure up more. There is going to be warfare. There are going to be things that come up. And I I really believe in spiritual warfare. I believe in things conspiring for you that 100% is more powerful than any of the little things on the side that might be conspiring. But discouragement is part of it. Discouragement and courage like go hand in hand. You have to feel that fear in order to step into the opportunity. And so that's really cool because I mean that even shows in your story, you know? Oh, I love that. You have to feel feel the fear to step into opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean even that comes back to big magic, right? Like fear mm-hmm. and creativity have to be so closely linked. Yeah. And you have to find a way to say like fear can be my friend here. Yeah. It's so true. That's, I swear that's half of life being like, hi friend, you know, your fear, you're my friend. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you just were talking about winter. I did not (laughs) do the winter driving course. That scares the crap out of me. I'm in my car recording full transparency and I was sitting here like, oh my God, I couldn't do it. So how is living in Colorado as a female entrepreneur, as someone who is incredibly talented, the world is at your fingertips you know, well, just tell me about your ecosystem there, your support system, just how is life in Colorado? 
Yeah, so it's good. I actually, I grew up here. I went, you know, I spent middle school and high school here and then decided to come back here for a year before I moved to the East Coast for my job. And then Mm. before that happened. Yep. So right now it's a good place to call home. You know, it's actually kind of surprising. I've met with a few other entrepreneurs who I've become close friends with. We work together at the WeWork and there's just like a general census, which honestly made me feel better that it isn't actually an amazing place to meet a ton of other entrepreneurs, but they still have awesome resources like Denver Startup Week, then there's Boulder Startup Week. So I mean, the ecosystem is everywhere now. And I think Denver was even like on the top 10 list of places to live as an entrepreneur. So that was it was. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's definitely those vibes there. And it's just interesting because Denver is so big and there's so many different pockets of the city that all have a different feel. And so it's fun to be like, Ooh, where should I go work today? Cause I feel like I'm very susceptible to energy and changes in energy. So yeah, it's a good, it's a definitely a good place to be right now. Okay. That's so awesome. I love Colorado. So I just, I feel like you talking about energy. I just, it is like the capital of good vibes. It is the capital of yes. like good people and inspiration seeing the mountains always makes me feel so empowered in my like smallness if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I love that. Um and and in a good way, you know? Yeah. So I love that. Awesome. And then you are pursuing being an actress after an Ivy League education for undergrad. I want to talk about that because I think that's so BA and I mean everything you do is, but I love that. And so Thank can you. you just tell us like one, how that's going. Two, how are you showing up for yourself in that, in that change? And then just anything else, just tell us. Sure. Yeah. So my dream of being an actress dates, dates back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was my childhood dream, you know? Um, and when I say childhood dream, I'm not like, oh, it's just what I wanted as a kid. But I also will say that like, whatever your childhood dream was, there's probably a part of you that still dreams for it because it's Mm. how you view the world from more of like a, I want to do this perspective rather than, you know, be beat down by fear. And so I'd always, always, always wanted to be like an on-screen actress. And I think it was kind of one of those things where you go through like high school theater (laughs) and like on in people are like clicky and I don't know, just all of a sudden you lose the love for acting or for any type of like on-screen anything because the only real options, unless you're in LA and you have an agent, are these like theater opportunities and nothing against them. It's just that I happen to not have like a really good experience, at least like socially in my high school theater program. And so it was yeah. very competitive. I just ugh, it was not good. So I kind of just tabled the whole thing. And then I got to college and I remember I actually had posted on my Instagram story a few days ago that I had found, you know, in like Snapchat memories. <laughs> um, there's part of my Snapchat story where I was like, where's the school to become Oprah? Because I love that. Yes. <laughs> Acting and host theater are obviously really different. I mean, I love both the same. I think probably my big dream was to have a TV show and be a host um, to show more of my personality and get to talk about, you know, things that I've researched. Mm-hmm. But it was really that same calling. And the hard part was I really felt like it was impossible. And that sucks. You know, I, I'm looking at people who've done it and I was still saying that it was impossible. And so last fall, I got tagged on a Facebook post that was a Freeform director. And Freeform is the new ABC family. They basically mm-hmm. just changed their name. Some people don't know who it is. So wanted to make that <laughs> um, specification. But they were looking for a female entrepreneur for basically like a new segment for, it was kind of like a commercial. It was to speak for a jewelry company. So someone tagged me because they thought of me 
And I reached out to the casting director and he literally called me immediately. And he was like, I think you're it. Let's get on a Skype call. We did our Skype call, which was basically like a audition <laughs> industry. So I didn't really know what that was. And he was just yeah. like, you are it. And his casting, I probably, I'm not going to say anything really specific here, but like the casting firm that he works for casted like major movies, like movies that were like my favorite movies my entire life. And so for him to be like, you have everything it takes. I was like, oh, like this is my calling, you know? Um, Long story short on that one, I got to the top four. I thought that I kind of had the role (laughs) after we had already had our like Skype call. And so when I found out I was top four, he was like, oh my gosh, you're top four, you know? And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And I think (laughs) I just kind of had a feeling. I'm like, I have to beat out three other people, you know? But I didn't get it. And I was so crushed so crushed. I was literally like, I got fried chicken. I was laying in bed crying for hours. I know. And the thing I kept saying was that was my only chance. And that's really what I thought. I'm like, this is my big break. This is my only big break. But the thing about opportunity is that it never comes when you're expecting it. You know, I thought I was like, you know what? A week ago today, this was not even a thing on my radar. And then one day I was just tagged in a Facebook post and this came out of the woodwork, right? So since then, first of all, I think it's interesting. Like I know what the company's name is and I've tried to find it on YouTube to see like who they chose and how it turned out. I can't find it anywhere. So I feel like it might have gotten canceled or hadn't gone through. And so I almost feel like it was better to not get it rather than like get it, be so excited and then have it not go through. And yeah. then second of all, that casting director ended up being really integral in my life because I contacted him again a few months later and I was just like, hey, do you mind getting on a phone call with me about just like the industry and how I should get into it. And so he was like, girl, that's so brave. Yeah. I mean, but he was so nice. Like he really made it easy for me to reach out. And so he looked up agencies in Denver. And the first one he said I should do was big fish. And the word big is like the common thread throughout my life. Like we talk about big magic, but then there's like her big idea, her big lash, all these things. And so I'm like, Ooh, big fish. I feel like that's good. So I contacted them. I had no acting experience, but they were like, sure. Like send in self tapes and they asked for a meeting and they signed me on the spot, which was like, whoo, <laughs> I just had no idea that could happen. Right. But I, I want to get to the part of when you asked about like transitioning into like after Ivy League. And I will say there was an element of like, you know, I went to this really expensive, <laughs> like prestigious university. And you think that that should translate into getting a job at like Goldman Sachs or like some corporate coachy job where you rise the ranks and you make all this money. And so there was an element of struggling with that. But I'll say yeah. that like having gone to Brown, I took so much comfort in the fact that John Krasinski from The Office and then Julie Bowen from Modern Family, who literally have spent their entire lives as actors on TV shows, which is exactly what I want to do for seasons mm-hmm. and seasons and seasons. I took so much comfort in that. Like I would just like, and it was interesting too, because Julie Bowen studied Italian at Brown and so did I. And so I'm like, we are still sisters and she doesn't know it. Um, Not yet. Yeah. yeah, We'll be in TV show together. Mark my words. Yes. (laughs) Pick up this audio when it happens. But yeah. And so now things are going well. I signed with a national agency after signing with a Denver agency. Um, I will say I'm moving through it, but there was an element of fear around what being signed with a national agency would entail because that's a big commitment, right? Because I'm in Denver. Yeah. Those are things that they'll submit me for in LA and New Mexico and New York. And so I actually was like being a really bad talent and <laughs> I like hadn't filled out any of my, I guess like profiles on any of the acting sites. And I thought that was really strange. And so it was actually just this week 
they said me for a role anyways and the director was really interested in me and I had like a full on I was gonna do an Instagram story about this actually I had a full on like it wasn't a panic attack it was not that bad but I I all of a sudden it really started to panic and I was like I don't know if I can do this and it showed up as I'm way too busy right now I can't you know go do this and I, I found that really strange and I just had to acknowledge that yeah, this is my big dream. And so I think there's a level of fear around like, well, what if I go after the big dream and it's not what I wanted or I'm not good at it. So even though I'm going after it in little ways, like signing with an agency and like I was in a few commercials, going after it in a big way is scary. And I think that applies to anything you do. Wow. Amen. Like a freaking men. That's <laughs> unreal. And your transparency and awareness to be able to call out the fear. I think so often no one talks about the zone the almost zone so you can call out your dream and you can feel the fear and you can still do it and things can fall into place and then you're almost there and I think people don't realize that there is an almost and there's an utmost Mm -hmm. and utmost leans so deeply into your fear that it becomes your friend and that takes a lot of commitment and that takes a lot of mindset and and just so much like inner work and just dependence on on God or you know just beyond you and I just love the way that you describe that just so perfectly holy crap and the fact is too like there's it's so easy to doubt and it's so easy to cut yourself short because there is a presence of fear or doubt that you don't even show up but everyone's fighting that. And I swear in the uh, like utmost zone, there are maybe four people showing up. Your odds are great. You know, like mm, if you just beautiful. keep showing up, you're going to win. And that's the thing, like the people that I say this all the time, I think I probably annoy like all of my virtual assistants and like all of the people <laughs> in my life. But I'm like the people that win are the ones who don't quit. The yes. ones show up over and over. Like I will never I love myself I'm brilliant I'm wonderful I'm not the smartest person in the room I'm not the most beautiful but you bet your ass I I will always show up but yeah I mean to echo that and like every story you hear of people who are like enormously successful now going back to my Oprah example or JK Rowling like we know this when we read their stories and yet so few people put it into action because the blueprint for success like it wasn't supposed to be easier else everyone would do it and I think so many people like peripherally you know okay, you just got to try and try and try and try and try again. But when it's put into action, it's so easy. Like you fail once and you're like, well, this means something about me and I'm going to internalize this. And actually I think that relates to uh, not to get like super academic here, but I promise it's relates. No, I <laughs> love this. this. At Brown was on female self-agency and entrepreneurship and venture capital. And I was really excited about this concept of self-agency, which I actually read in a political book. But the whole concept Mm. is, so we go out into the world and we're ourselves, right? But our agency is how we do things in the world. And say that you want to be an actress like me, okay? And you go to one agency to audition and you audition and they like laugh in your face and they're like, that was horrible. No, we're not going to sign you. Like something really bad happens. Well, you internalize that experience and it affects your agency the next time. So someone is probably likely to give up after that. They're like, so-and-so said this about me. So, you know, I'm not going to try again, but maybe you go and you do try again somewhere else because you're not a quitter. But the next time you show up to do it, if you haven't like done the inner work, your agency is diminished. So maybe you don't show up as your full self or you're not fully there or you have your walls up so they can't get to know your personality. And so you're having a hard time getting into character, whatever it is and so on and so forth. Um, Obviously the reverse of that is say like 
in my situation, you know, I showed up at this agency, I auditioned, they signed me on the spot. I had no idea it was, you know, that good. <laughs> my yeah. agency was emboldened. I was like, whoa, I'm going to win an Oscar in the next five years. It's happening, you know? Yes. But <laughs> I have to understand how these experiences shape us because it's so easy to be like, oh my gosh, I'm never doing that again and like sweep it under the rug. But that even impacts you every single time you go out and do anything with your agency, which is basically all the time, but especially in these situations where you're vulnerable. Absolutely. That's so good. I love that. And I studied political science. So hearing, yeah, hearing the agency, you know, that's not spoken of unless you're a white male high level politician. No. Yeah. I mean, they have the most agency of all. Um, Yeah. So if there's, there's a really good book for this. It was written by my thesis advisor called freedom beyond sovereignty. And a lot of it's still pretty over my head, but that's where the self-agency came from because I had read her book in one of my gender studies classes and I just like became obsessed. So it's really like I'm a middle basis for all the work I do in the world, really. That is so awesome. We never have spoken about this and this is a nerd moment that I will be editing out. But, well, maybe I will, honestly. But the end of my degree program, we had to do a like huge presentation and I did mine on female campaigns and the psychology, the success rates and the atmosphere and why we're not in office. And I mean, this was years ago now, this was three years ago. So it like has progressed just in dramatic ways from when I started it as a sophomore in college, but it is unbelievable to see the disparity and how women are able to show up for themselves because of the climate. And So much of it, though, like after reading her big idea and just hearing your work on it, it all just goes together so beautifully. Yes, it really does. I mean, it's more of like a, it's not even just like a theory. Um, or just like this peripheral, I've not said that twice, <laughs> this is like no, peripheral care. philosophy. It's something that's really, I mean, self-agency comes down to everything we do ever. It's so true. Well, either all of that to be said, it is exciting to me. Like I would cry just doing the research. I would, I would just be devastated because oh. I just felt for the women before us. Yes. Um, and But more than that, I would cry because I know that we are the walking permission slips for our generation and the generations to come. And, and that just, that is so much bigger than us, but it is our responsibility. So going from there, what advice do you have for a girl who wants to go for her dream? Wow. Okay. That's amazing. I think the first is to take stock of your resources, but also take stock of how you're feeling currently. Uh, So going back to self-agency, how you feel like you can show up in the world. And a lot of that is analyzing past experiences, as I said, but just analyzing anywhere in you that feels like, ah, I don't know, this part of it scares me, whether that be like handling the financials of starting a business or, you know, announcing on Instagram that you've launched something new or whatever it is, because I think those things are going to continue to show up and you'll self-sabotage subconsciously unless you do the hard work. And you know, it doesn't even have to be first. I think you should do some of it first, but then also committing to checking in on a personal basis all the time as you're going after the dream, because it's not every day is going to look the same. Not every day is going to fill you up. I mean, ideally it should, but then once you start to show it to the public, there's that need for approval. So how are you going to take care of yourself in the pursuit of it so that you can keep going guns blazing, agency full? Dang. I love that. That's so true. I've walked that too. (laughs) Yes. I know you have. Oh gosh, that's so good. I love that, Haley. Thank you for that. Of course. 
okay, I want to discuss your decision to leave your job last year. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked really about obviously you diving into entrepreneurship and, and just the craziness, the chaos around that. But I think they're just pieces of it too that people don't talk about. And you've been so candid about bringing it to the forefront. So I, I am excited for you to really share on it. Yeah. Well, so I just want to say something like more generally first, and that's that, you know, your work comprises about 80% of your life. And I know so many people and by so many, I mean like everybody I graduated with or who graduated the year before me who hate their jobs, but they continue to show up. And mine was not like that. Mine is made all, all the harder because I loved my job. I mean, for listeners, that's how Ali and I met. I was the director of community for this astounding entrepreneurship community. And I really loved all of it. And so I was like, I will never leave. <laughs> I have to do this for the rest of my life, you know? Um, so it wasn't like one of those things where I had to like show up to an office and be surrounded by like four white walls and be so bored all the time. But what happened was that me being really entrepreneurial and also just someone who <laughs> has a million things going on at once. And I'll always mm-hmm. be like that. I started a speaking tour to promote my book. And I thought like the speaking tour would just be like something fun to do in like one season of my life. But I I ended up loving it so much because you can't put a price tag on the number of women who would come up to me afterwards crying because of my talk and who I was connected with. And it just felt like soul work. And I was just so excited about it. And then on top of that, I, we can get into the story a little bit more specifically, but I started a lash company um, Mm -hmm. called Her Big Lash. And it was this opportunity that fell in my lap and I'll tell the story in a second. But I just was so excited by all the opportunities that were happening and I thought that I could balance it with work. And, you know, at the end of the day though, even if you love your job, once you, once soul work is put into the equation and you feel like you're doing something in alignment with your purpose, it's natural to be like, you know what, what would happen if I gave all of my time and energy to this soul work? Like given that it's doing so well, just being like an ancillary part of my day to day. So I had to make the jump. You know, it wasn't as dramatic as like I put in my two weeks and, you know, or like I got fired. It was more of like a conversation, which I really appreciated. And everybody knew that it was the right thing. That didn't make it any easier, but Mm -hmm. it it didn't make it harder. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was a pretty smooth transition on that front. Like the decision, I just like knew it in every part of my body. And I feel like certainty is the biggest thing you can wish for in this life. Like, not being sure and being like, I don't know what I should do. Like that sucks. Like that is a hell within itself. So the fact that I did know, even though it was hard, I just leaned on that knowing and was like, you know what, this knowing will carry me to where I'm supposed to go, but I'm not going to say oh, my intuition. I love that. Yeah. yeah. This knowing will carry me. I love that. We should wow. put out a pillow. I didn't even know that was in, inside Truly. of me. <laughs> yeah. That's so profound. The thing is too, you know, on, in my story, I, I went back and took a job to get the stability I needed to yes. really pursue my dreams. And it was it was short, it was sweet, it was good, and it wasn't dramatic. But like the leaving seasons don't have to be this traumatizing, horrible, you're a bad person situation. I think that stigma is around a lot of the leaving part of work, you know? Yes, absolutely. And of course, like you don't want to let anyone down either. And like the chances are you have friends at work. Um, but I also wanted to say in general, like, I don't want anyone to listen to this and, you know, have a dream and an ambition and have and be in a job and be like, oh man, maybe that means I, sh- I should quit my job, you know, because I've done a lot of research since and talked to a lot of people since and a lot of people decide and honestly, they should start a side hustle or to go after their dream on the side because if you're scared of finances and like losing that stable paycheck, 
creativity has a really hard time thriving where you're like, oh gosh, how am I going to pay the bills? Amen. So you got to do what you got to do to take care of you and like for your survival and then let the creativity flourish on top of that. Like, believe me, it was a scary financial jump, but I was like, I was making money. That made it a bit easier for me. Still not super easy. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah. It's still, you know, like becoming a solopreneur, like that's, that's hard on the financial side, but yeah, I just want to make that really clear to people because I really don't want any of them to think like, oh, I'm not going after my dreams right if I haven't quit my job. Yeah. Oh, I, I thank you for addressing that. And I think it can be almost, you know, like the struggle. Like I eat ramen every day or I haven't eaten in five days. Like that's not glamorous. Like, no. That's not, you know what I mean? Also, like that's not admirable. Like you can't thrive. No, you, you can't. can't. You have to and, have like the nourishment. I mean, even like my spin class membership is like two hundred dollars a month. Like I need that to do my best writing. Um, I'll also say it's even things like where you network. You know, can you go to the Four Seasons um, in your hometown and like order a really bougie but unnecessarily expensive cup of coffee just so you could be around people who you can network with, right? Like you need yeah. these senses for your little things that. It's yeah, so true. It's so true, and I felt so much shame around taking a job after becoming an entrepreneur. Oh but wow! Yeah. I oh my gosh, it, and that's like a whole other conversation. But like, I was so ashamed, and then I realized. I'm doing what's best for me and this is only going to let me serve my purpose in a better, more stable and like wonderful way. And that there's no shame in that. But I think again, there's so much glory that goes to this lifestyle that's unrealistic and unsustainable. You know, it's um, funny that you say that you felt the shame though, because I remember when you posted about it and that you were going to make that transition, I thought it made a lot of sense. You know, I didn't think like, oh, she's giving up on her dream. I was like, oh, this is like kind of related. You know, and she feels called to do this right now. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that too, because like I literally, I'm the one, first of all, I moved to LA. I didn't announce it for like four weeks because there was so much shame. And, And then from there, I went on and just kind of like did a lot of inner work, did a lot of preparation because there's a lot of hurt from that season. Like there was a lot of struggle and I didn't want that. And I don't believe that we are created to struggle in capacities Mm -hmm. like that. You know, struggle serves you so deeply, but like you need stability in order to create fully from your soul. Yes. And, And so all of that to be said, I felt so much shame sharing that. And it was just, it blew me away how much of my community all over. And I mean, these are just people that reached out, but they're like, this aligns so well. I, this is such a great, like lily pad as you're hopping across the, you know, so cute. Yes. Anyway. So Haley, you have spoken at some unbelievable conferences all over the nation now. And this is a question that actually has come up for a lot of my listeners. They are wanting to know, how can we become industry leaders? How can we speak on our topics? How do we showcase what we have, you know, just really declared our genius zones and, and where we know we can help people? So mm. you have done this beautifully. And I want to know, how did you first get into it? Yeah, so my book, Her Big Idea, came out in June 2018. And Somehow an entrepreneurship program director at John Carroll University, hey down, in case you're listening, he got a hold of my book. He actually knew my book coach, Eric Custer, and 
he said, Hey, like, I would love to like talk about bringing you to Cleveland. And in my head, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm like, he wants me to come to Cleveland. Cool. Like I would totally do it, you know? And we get on the phone and he basically offers me more money for one hour of my life than I've ever been offered for, you know, 10 minutes of my life. And you know, um, it was insane. I was like, how in the world is it this lucrative? And obviously like, I was just excited about the opportunity. I love you know, connecting with other people. I had never considered speaking before. So I'm like, Ooh, this could be fun. So I said yes, but the, we scheduled the talk for February. So I had like, I mean, that was like almost a year away. It was like nine months away. And I just kind of got excited about all that I could bring. And I was part of a group. I still am. I'm part of a group called dreamers doers, which is for female entrepreneurs. And they have a lot of opportunities in there. And in general, like if you're a speaker, just make sure you're networking and in networking groups as much as possible, because that's how you hear about things you otherwise wouldn't hear about, especially like I'm self-managed. I don't have an agent. No one's submitting me for anything. Like I pursue all my own opportunities. Um, but they basically posted about an opportunity to speak at a conference at Harvard. And I think there were two and I got both when I applied. And so they were actually two in the same week at Harvard, which is so funny. Um, yeah. And so I was like, well, since I'm going to be in Boston for a week, I might as well find another school in Boston. And I just started to ask around and I want to be really clear though. So even though I was called and it seems like out of nowhere, someone just like offered me a ton of money to speak, you know, that was just strange, <laughs> but I did all my speaking at first. Um, I did all my speaking at first for free and I spoke at places that I knew it would give me credibility, but it would also give me exposure. And you have to speak for free at first. Like, you just have to. And I know it sometimes feels like, no, I'm above that because I get paid X, but like, it's a commitment and an investment in yourself. Like, I had to pay for the hotels and I had to pay to fly out there, you know? But what it did was I got testimonials. You know, speaking for free is actually never speaking for free. You'll get the testimonials, you'll get the photos, you'll get the Instagram followers, you'll get the newsletter subscribers. So you have to be willing to invest like that upfront. And from there, it became way easier to pitch myself. I started basically like a cold email campaign, reaching out to sororities, entrepreneurship programs, because that's what made the most sense for my book and just pitched myself. And they loved to see that I had spoken at so many other places and that I had the testimonials, etc. And so, yeah, from there, it just really flourished. All right, you all, that is everything we have with Haley today. We could literally talk for hours. And if you want to follow her journey, then Haley, what's your handle? Haley Hoffman Smith, just my name. Easy peasy. And then what is your YouTube channel? Haley Hoffman Smith. <laughs> Great. Okay. So yeah. we have consistency, people. Do not worry. Um, great. So go follow her. So we love you all. Thank you for being here and learning with us. And with that being said, go be brave.